Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Market Podcast. We'll be giving you our all-time championship teams. This week, we'll be starting with the Detroit Tigers. Stay tuned. Considering the times, the circumstances, all that stuff, which, uh, you know, as a landmark, we should discuss it so that we could look back at this like years from now and go, remember wow. that time? This time in history. Right. Yeah. No, not gonna. Not gonna. No. no. <laughs> so we're going to go back and talk some sports ball. We've got uh, uh, an all time team. Both you and I have each compiled our all time championship Tiger team. Now, the, the parameters for this was we put together a team. You put together a team. I put together a team. Yep. They're Detroit Tigers. They had to have been on one of the four world championships teams. So either 1935, 1945, 68, or uh, the rule of 84. 84. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, And I was trying to be really, really conscientious of not... Uh, being too 1984 heavy because that's what we're most familiar with and even I mean guys you and my age were we kind of we, we see a lot of guys from the 68 team still alive and still around yeah we would go to card shows and stuff we, we interact with them and stuff exactly and try not to um, rely too or I'm sorry try not to ignore the 35 and 45 teams right. because those are both very significant times in Detroit Tiger history and Detroit sports history. And, and they had some very good players on their teams, exactly. but they could be easy easy to be lost being that we were not around during that time and we yeah. don't, those people aren't alive. Right. Those people aren't alive. We never saw them. Um, it's hard to discuss a lineage of, of a team that you never saw and you don't have memories of. Right. You're you're basically going solely off statistics as right. far as that goes. And and not, uh, you know, there's no video evidence of those of those teams. You know, there, I mean, there's a little bit, but there's clips. There's newsreel clips and stuff, and that really doesn't, that hardly does it, those teams justice yeah, or those players justice. It doesn't really tell the whole story. Exactly. You know, that's one of those things where you're keeping score. Uh, when you keep score at home, like if you're an old school baseball guy, to recreate a ball game you know, taking score, um, you really don't understand it. Even looking back historically and trying to uh, <clears throat> recreate teams uh, or trying to recreate games and, and statistics with uh, recreations of old score books and old old scores from games and stuff, that's really tough, you know? That's, that's a hard thing to do. That'd be very difficult to do. Right. But you can look at, at stat lines and how many games guys played and all that stuff. So we tried our best and tried to be uh, – indifferent or you know partial impartial on all ends with the the 35 and 45 teams and um include as many of those guys as we could 
Uh, not out of like but obligation, not, yeah, but, but not to do any kind of injustice to players that would deserve that spot. Exactly, so. exactly. So we did a deep dig on on stats and all that stuff. And uh, you know, Andy, you really brought up the the numbers on all four teams, and and I loved it. I loved looking at these and doing the research and uh, doing our homework for sure. So should I start off or should yeah, you? Yeah, why don't you start off? Uh, we've decided we were to start off with catcher first. Yeah. Okay. okay. Why don't you start off with uh, with what your catcher would be? Okay. Or so who your catcher would be? So there. with the exception of pitcher, we we each named one player for each position, and um, including manager and DH, correct? Exactly, manager and DH. Which I guess DH wasn't always wasn't always a thing. wasn't It right? wasn't always, but we're going to use it in ours. Right. Hopefully. For the sake of uh, yeah, and unfortunately, it, it, this excludes my one of my favorite tigers of all time, Ty Cobb. Because this is going to exclude a lot of Tigers greats, uh, guys That's like true. Miguel Cabrera as well, that never right. won a championship. With the Tigers. Yes, with know. the Tigers, and so that's why they're not included. And same thing with, like, okay, Cecil Fielder. He was a guy who was around for a long time with the Tigers. Tony Clark. These are guys who were the main sta- or the Tigers staples, the during guy their in time. Detroit during their time, but they didn't win World Series. They didn't win championships with the organization. So. Right. My first guy at catcher is Bill Freehand. And <laughs> terrible way to start out, but I agree with you as well. Bill Freehand is pretty much right. a unanimous catcher. Yeah. Uh, from the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, became the Tigers catcher. Yeah. And was on the he was on that 68 squad that won the championship. Yes, exactly. Now, we could have picked, I think the alternate was, was Lance Parrish. And I kind of... The big wheel, yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought, okay... Andy might pick a little more 84 guys, um, but no, I mean, freehand, I think you had to have an excellent catcher there to catch guys, like, you have to look at some of the catchers that, or some of the pitchers that were throwing to him, and um, the guys from the 84 team, pitching to Parrish, were already phenomenal athletes and phenomenal pitchers, you had like Morris and Petrie and Wilcox and Willie Hernandez, those, those guys are great pitchers and very good they were in their prime um and they were excellent and not to say that lance Parrish didn't help out but i think uh bill freehand was a more um he was more instrumental at the position for guys like john hiller and denny mclean who won 30 games or 31 games Mm -hmm. that year yeah he was the last 30 game winner um in a season and uh mickey lolich None of his pitchers were Hall of Famers, right? None of his pitchers were Hall of Famers. Mm. Oh yes. So if you're looking at the '68 no, team, there was no, up. there was no uh, Hall of Fame pitchers on the '68 team. So, right. and Freehand wasn't a Hall of Fame catcher, but there's people have made arguments for Freehand possibly he should have been or whatever. But again, argue, you know, we got to bring up the small market argument. There's you know? going to be few guys i think on this list that could make the argument of why they're not in the hall of fame or you could make the argument of that they should be absolutely yeah yeah should we move on to first base right on to first base okay first base i had hank greenberg um a personal favorite of mine maybe oh gosh i had so many favorite tigers players but he might be my second favorite tiger of all time um just a very under appreciated player he had a couple batting titles. The guy even went off to war at one point. He won a championship 
went off to war, came back, and won another championship. The guy was one of the most feared hitters of all time. He's two-time two AL MVP, five-time All-Star. Right. He, he's one of those guys that he was also uh, my first baseman as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Ha Hammer and Hank. Hammer and Hank. Him. Yep. And a big guy, too. If you see pictures of him alongside like his teammates, he was just a towering dude. He was very, he was quiet, he was big, he was intimidating, he was strong. He was one of the most, one of the more feared hitters. He would be kind of akin to your Frank Thomas or or Frank Howard, who was a big dude, to mm -hmm. uh, Jose Canseco, guys that once they came up to the plate, you knew you were in trouble. You, yeah. had, to, you had to have a plan in place. They were for the fences. Exactly. So, hey, was Hank Greenberg your, your first baseman also, or did you pick Hank, another guy? No, Hank Greenberg was I, okay. my first baseman as well. Good. All right. So, cool. unfortunately, it's two for two. That's well, nothing wrong with going. that. Nothing wrong with that. We're, I know we have some differences down the line, but uh, who'd you have for uh, second base, Andy? Second base, I got Charlie Garinger. Son of a gun. Do you really? <laughs> I did. I, I thought had... maybe you'd break and you'd go Lou Whitaker. No, no. I, I went with the Hall of Famer as well. I went with the a guy named the Mechanical Man. Nicknamed the Mechanical Man. Now, if Lou had, uh, Sweet Lou had made it into the Hall of Fame this year, we might. This might be a different conversation. Then again, maybe not. But I had to go with with Charlie Garinger just because he's another guy, super underappreciated, and a guy that I feel like we should, you know, bring him to the light a little bit more as well. Uh, I feel like it's almost an injustice for us to not put Trammell and Whitaker at the corner there, you know. But that's that's why it was between those two, and I think if I would have put Whitaker, that might have been one of the that probably would have been I don't want to say the only reason because his, he has the statistics, but when you're looking at a guy that's already in the Hall of Fame, yeah. he deserves to be picked over someone that's not. I feel you know he's a six-time All Star, stolen base leader in 1929, uh, AL batting champion in 1937, AL or 1937 AL MVP that year as well. Yeah, um, so I don't I think, think I think he lays a pretty heavy claim. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, Sweet Lou never had a an MVP to his name. He did have a a, a Roy. He had a Rookie of the Year, but yeah. um, uh, and that's not to take anything away from Whitaker because we certainly could have put those two right there, and that would have made sense for if, if, an all time Tigers championship if, team. If you choose Lou Whitaker, no one's gonna shout you down. Right, but yeah. For whatever reason, both you and I chose Garinger, and that just that makes that made sense to to each of us. Uh, how about uh, shortstop? Well, if you're going to shortstop, obviously you're going Alan Trammell. Son I mean, of you, a gun! You yeah. know it's coming. So the first four are all a match, but you, I don't. There's no one out there that you're going to pick over Alan Trammell. I right. looked over the lineups, and it, there just isn't. I was going to say the same thing. Like looking at shortstop, you you don't have another even Hall of Famer, no. um, and you certainly don't have another notable guy that's going up toe to toe against uh, Trammell. So, third base. This is where we have some uh, some discrepancy. With third this base. is where we'll get into the dirt a little bit. So, who was your third baseman, Andy? My third baseman was Eddie Matthews. Okay. Why did you pick Eddie Matthews? Well, Eddie Matthews, Hall of Fame, over 500 career home runs. This is where we differ. But okay. <laughs> And the, the, that's he's, why he's I want He's a 12-time All-Star. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and I know what your argument's going to be. So I can either nip it in the yep. bud right here, or I can <laughs> let your 
Or if you want to do it, you can explain your argument as to why. Let me let me hear yours. Let me hear your guy, and then we can battle it out. Okay. Well, let me shoot down, nope. you know, Eddie Matthews. Get, wait, you got to give me your guy first. You can't just blindly <laughs> okay. shoot him down. Okay. My guy, I and I just met him. He's the latest Tiger I've met. I met him, uh, what, in February? Yeah. Good old Howard Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good old, I've got the poster right here. I met him on February 8th. I had a nice little conversation. I really didn't expect him to be this cool. I had like a five or ten minute conversation with Howard Johnson. We're pretty much best friends. I can't get him on the show, but. Name drop him, and and that's why he's the third base (laughs) guy. No, you know what? I had a hard time putting Eddie Matthews at third base because for a number of reasons. But Hojo made sense, um, and I like him because my second team is probably is the Mets. And my dad, you know, used to tell me stories about the New York Mets, both the '69 team and the '86 team. And what I like about that '86 Mets team is that pretty close to the '84 Tigers and. I watched a lot of those guys. I watched more of those 86 Mets play, just considering my age, um, than I did some of the Tigers. I got to go to more Mets games, and Howard Johnson was always a staple. And he, he played a little bit more with the Mets than he did um, with the Tigers. I think he only played the 84 season with the, with the Tigers. But, so... I mean, my other guy could have been Tommy Brookins. But I just I like Hojo more. He has two championships to his name, and I, I again a critically underrated guy. Okay, you know? so okay, so I'm gonna blast that argument because I know what your argument against Eddie Matthews is. Is he only spent the one season in Detroit? But so did Howard Johnson. So did you know, Howard to be Johnson. Fair. Okay, so see, so we can so, so we neutralize you, there. You all know? right. So I was gonna say, are you gonna go on their all time stats then? Well, or if you go not. on their all-time stats, then I don't stand a chance because Eddie Matthews is a Hall of Famer and he's got 500 home runs and right. you know that stuff. But so I look at like me that I win. <laughs> Have we gotten that way? No, Cause, because because my... Eddie Matthews is a two-time World Series champion as well. Look Ooh. at what he what did, and this isn't a a solid strong argument on my part either. But like, look at what each of them contributed to their championship team at the time. Eddie Matthews was not an integral part to that 68 team. You could maybe make a case for, oh, he was there for leadership and veteran guidance and all that stuff. He was. But really, the he guy was a veteran was... voice in the locker room. <sighs> was he, though? <laughs> you know, I know, back then it was not taken was, nearly... Right, that was not a, not a not, factor. Yeah, it wasn't as big of a factor back then. Eddie Matthews might have been buying the beer back then. He was bringing in the 24-pack of, uh, of hams and... Hey. Making sure all the guys got. If you're the you guy know. over 18, you gotta buy. <laughs> and he was double that. He was 37 years old oh. when he was playing with the 68 team. So you know they're never asking him for ID. <laughs> oh my lord! I get, I get your argument, but I have the same argument with my guy. So I guess we just agree to disagree. Oh, understandable. I, you know, legendary says, and I, I like Eddie Matthews, and I like some of the. Um, the mythology behind him and stuff. I, I looked. I found a quote where it said, um, "Ty Cobb once said that Eddie Matthews had one of the sweetest swings he'd ever seen." It says, "Quote: I've only known three or four yep. perfect swings in my lifetime. This lad 
has one of them. I love that quote. Isn't that awesome? I That's know. a great quote. I see, I was gonna. Use, I got it right here. Yeah. I'm gonna use it against you in your argument because I know you love Ty Cobb. I do, and I so that really, really, I was conflicted uh, between picking uh, between Hojo and um, and Eddie Matthews. So uh, we got right field. So moving right on, field. who do yeah. you have in right field? This is a no-brainer. And if you don't have this guy at right field, then we we can't be friends anymore. We can't you, be co-hosts anymore. I think Chet Lemon played oh center God. field and did, right field. You did not just... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not that dumb. Okay, so I'll break the news. Al Kaline, in okay, case you've you. never watched a Tigers baseball game, is your right fielder. Freaking Mr. Tiger. How do you not... How is he not your right fielder? You uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that we even need to explain why he's the right fielder. He's Mr. Uh, Tiger. Yeah, I just he's okay. So yeah. moving on to center field. So, okay, this is where it so, gets interesting. So who do you got in center field? I've got Doc Kramer at center field. And this is where I got a little bit sketchy. Same thing with at my third base position. But with Doc Kramer, he had he was tied for 140 games with, with somebody else for who had the most games played in center field. It was him and Chet Lemon, actually. And, again, I almost chose Chet Lemon for center field because I thought, okay, if, we got a, if I've got a World Series team, let's say hypothetically each of, I have each of these men in their prime playing on my championship team in the World Series, I want a little bit of speed in between my right fielder, Mr. Tiger, Al Kaline, and who I'm going to talk about at left field. And I feel like, you know, I felt like Chet Lemon should have been the guy, but I picked Doc Kramer to because he was either on my 35 or 45 team. And I wanted to just pick kind of a wild card guy. So I chose Doc Kramer. There's a reason the guy had 140 games under his belt at center field. I felt like he was, you know, it could be a toss-up between him and Chet Lemon. So, and I think Chet Lemon actually had less games at center. Where's our... Uh, I, I, I set those you sheets over there. Let, <laughs> okay. me, let me go okay. grab those real quick. All right. No, I, that's okay. Yeah. So the only other guy that had 140 games at center field for the Tigers in any one of those four championship teams was Chet Lemon. So both Chet and Doc Kramer had 140 games at center field. I'm sprite blasphemy since Chet is still alive, but I'm leaning towards Doc Kramer, you know, on the 45 team. Yeah, yeah, Doc Kramer on the 45 team, he had 140 games. So, And I didn't have too many guys from the 45 team, so I wanted to kind of spread it out a little bit for the sake of this this argument, oh this segment. I know that's, that's my one concession. That's my one gimme or mulligan, I guess, for this one. Um, I, I'm anxious to hear your center fielder. Well, so... It's probably I, a better I, case than me. I, I honestly... There was so many. The center field is a position that is not a lock, and there's not anybody that really, 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 really stands out. So Chet Lemon's a three-time All-Star. You can make the claim for him. You can make the claim for your guy, Mr. Kramer. Yes. Um, a doctor, apparently. A doc, doc, <laughs> a doctor. She's one of them. You could also make the claim for Mickey Stanley, who's four-time Gold Glove. So I mean, true. nobody's numbers are really popping out at you, right? True. Or I got a guy here that's a wild card. Okay. He played outfield, but he only played one game in center in '84 year. You're gonna pick him. You know who I'm talking about? I, 
Kurt? Kurt Gibson? So, with all, all things considered, uh, you can lay claim to Mickey Stanley, Shet Lemon, or Doc Wag. What, Doc Kramer? <laughs> Doc Kramer. Sorry. You should remember uh, his you know, name. And, and, all, and all these reasons are weak. Um, I mean, I, I shouldn't say they're weak. They're, they're valid reasons, but Kurt Gibson had one game at center field, right? He played in right field, but he had one game at center, so so that qualifies him. And my argument for Kurt Gibson is he had arguably the most iconic moment in that 1984 World Series, and so that's why he will be my center fielder, and I don't care about a three-time <laughs> All-Star or you have the most games played or you won four gold gloves, and that's pretty much with the exception of your World Series is the extent of it. Thank well, you, Mickey and Stanley. don't think I didn't. I didn't forget about Kirk Gibson. I've got him in my lineup, but he's somewhere else, and I'll talk about him later. And I do for that specific reason, okay. you know, um, for the Dodgers moment, anyways. But I've got Doc Kramer there just because I, I, if I'm going consistency or if I'm going the most, I want a guy who's healthy in my center field. I want someone who's going to be. I want longevity in my center field, and to me. Doc Kramer shows that as far, as far as the uh, stats lines go. So that's that's who I mm. have for center. And, you know, I really was waffling between him and uh, and Chet Lemon. And um, it was the only thing that edged Doc Kramer out was he's on the 45 team. And I needed, I, I felt like I needed to spread out the love a little bit. A little representation there. Exactly. I, yeah. I feel like you could literally put all those names in a half. And whoever That's you draw true. out is is fine with me. Right, right. Quite frankly. Exactly. Um, so I guess moving on to left field. Yeah. Who is your left fielder? <laughs> My left fielder is Willie Horton. What and uh, why not? Well, why not? I, okay, so I'm not going to argue against Willie Horton. All right. I love Willie Horton not only as a baseball player but as a human being, humanitarian, if you want to call him that. Um, all the stuff he does for the city of Detroit, this dude is, he's a dude, as Don Brown would say. There's a, there's a statue of the guy at Comerica Park right now. There's a statue Dude, of the man at Comerica And he's the only one that there's a statue of at Comerica Park that is not a Hall of Famer. And we've talked about this before. You know, as far as cult, uh, cultural significance goes, um, Willie Horton was the guy that kind of, uh, kind of neutralized the riots a little bit. You know, during the '68 season and and '67, uh, '68, that was the guy who stood on, who, you know, stood on the cars, right? Stood on the cars and talked to you know the population, the people in the streets, and and said, "Look, you you know, settle down. This is not that you know." That he was he was a voice of reason during a, those times. He you was know? a calming voice on a team, and that team essentially unified the city. As, as best sports could, you know what I mean? Sports right. can have a unifying effect in troubled times, and he was basically, if you want to call it like the figurehead of that situation. And, uh, and, and for that, I mean, you could go into other things, but, I mean, that alone, he, he's just, when you think of the 68 team, obviously Al Kaline, Denny McLean, Mickey Lolich, but Willie Horton is right there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's a, a stoic figure, and um, that's a uh, that's a face that you you want on your team. 
um, for the World Series and um, and a bat, like a, a great bat. Like the man had 300 home runs, uh, spent most of his career with the Tigers, and uh, underplayed, I think, because I, I don't think he was a big um, he was a big media favorite. And I think that's probably why he was kind of soft-spoken, kind of low, low personality, low-key personality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he wasn't a big media favorite. Um, right. But I, you know, to me, there's a statue of the man. There's a statue of the man at Comerica Park. You've got he, he him. almost represents like the heart and soul of Detroit in, in that era. Absolutely. Yeah. Of of the city's history. Right. And, and that's why he makes my left fielder. So. He, he's my left fielder as well. I, oh, good. Like, I can't good. break from that. Good, good. Yeah, excellent. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll, we'll be right back with um, with who our managers are. To me, the manager's obvious, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Manager DH and uh, uh, our pitchers as well. So we'll be right back here with the, more of the Small Market Podcast. And those who are through six so far one through nine one through nine it would be yeah yeah so we just need to talk about uh pitchers manager and a dh um my pick for manager no brainer sparky anderson i mean it's the man was a you know world series champion with the 84 team it's manager of the year that year as well that's right and he's also the guy that uh he was kind of the brain behind the the big red machine. Although, I feel like there's you had more I, Hall I, of Famer, you had more Hall of Famers on the big red machine teams. I, I feel like that shouldn't equate to because then I can bring well, in Eddie true. Matthews again at third base and say, yeah, look what okay. Eddie did. I, I don't. Nothing. Yeah, I don't want to go back to Eddie you Matthews. Want, you want I'm to good. fight that one out? No, okay. no, 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 no. All right. But I, I think Sparky, uh, the man, you had a baseball genius there, and. I think he was smarter and better and sharper than uh, Mayo Smith and um, you know whoever else you had on the 35 and 45 teams. And um, it, the man's a Hall of Famer. Sparky Anderson's one of the great minds of uh, not just baseball, but I think of this 20th century. So, <laughs> what do you do? You have you're so you're I'm conflicted not, on so manager. So I am conflicted. You are. I okay. wanted to go with Mickey Cochran because I feel. As old Mickey Cochran should be on this team somewhere. Yeah, he's not going to get it as catcher because I went with Bill Freehand. Although right. he could be catcher, uh, he, is, he was a two-time All Star. He's also a two-time AL MVP, which no. is right. pretty legit. But then I seen who was he was catcher on the thirty-five team, 
but he was also the manager on the 35 team, right? which is unique in itself. So that's why I feel that I wanted to go with him. I It's hard to justify it because a lot of those stats I just listed are from his playing days. Right. Um, well, he was manager of that World Series team. So was Sparky of his. Uh, Sparky was manager of the year. Cochran does not have that. Let me just say, when you threw out Mickey Cochran, I was impressed. I was, I was like, oh, maybe I. Should. That was the only guy that made me think, uh, take a second look at Sparky Anderson. To have a, a player manager, that's a big, that's a big threat. That's a big, uh, um, a big asset to have. And Mickey Cochran is one of the tops. You know, it's it's unique. So uh, if for me, it's a coin toss. I'm gonna go with Cochran. You don't like it, tough shit, I guess. I don't know. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, right. Or I can go with Sparky, and I'm going to give Cochran honorable mention. I don't know. Like I say, it's a coin toss. It can right. go either way. Yeah, they're both great choices. Both. I, You know, they're. we didn't see Mickey Cochran play. We didn't and see him play or manage. You know, and that's the, the only fault against him. So we can't hold that against guys that we didn't see play or manage. You know, it, there's no videotape or there's only stat lines and you don't know what kind of wisdom Mickey, you know, Mickey Cochran dropped upon uh, that, that 45 team, you know, the 35 or the 35 team. team. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to be both a, uh, a catcher and manager, that's uh, catcher is that's probably the toughest position to play in baseball. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, you've got to be hard nosed and. It's very physically demanding. Yeah, um, you're you know you're calling for all the pitches. It's mentally yep. demanding. Um, I can't argue that one. I, that's that's why you know Sparky is he's my guy, but I can't argue or, I, or beat beat out Mickey. Cochran. That's I mean I, I'm not going to beat you up for having Sparky. Right. I, I think we each got our guy and we roll with it. Exactly. Should we go to DH or yeah? Or pitchers? We'll, we'll move on to DH and then we'll go to pitchers. We'll start from the bottom at pitcher. Okay. And move up to the top. You're number okay. one. Okay. I want to hear your DH guy. My DH is a guy that, uh, well, he, I'll just come out and say, my DH is Stormin Norman Cash. He's not a Hall of Famer, uh, but he was five-time All-Star, AL batting champion, 61. He was a, a powerful bat in that lineup, in that 68 team. And I feel like if you need somebody that's just going to be hitting, because I can't put him at first base, because I got Greenberg right. there, and yeah. he's not going to beat—he doesn't have the numbers to beat out Greenberg. But I wanted to stick him somewhere on that team. Norm Cash is that guy. Yeah. Well, you know what's cool about Norm Cash too is that we've heard a lot of stories going to card shows and talking to old timers that Norm Cash was a funny dude. I mean, he was a—he was like a, a locker room general kind of, you know. So he'd joke around a lot with his teammates, and he was just a he's a fan favorite. He was a guy that uh, his teammates enjoyed and enjoyed being around. But you could you kind of get the sense that okay, when he wasn't joking around, people took him seriously and, and listened to what he had to say. My um, the other reason why I wanted him as my DH is um, aside from what I just spoke of in the in that nineteen sixty eight World Series. He went ten for twenty six, hitting three eighty five with a, with one home run, which is is pretty good. 
that's pretty good to bat 385 in the World Series. Absolutely. That being said, with two out in the seventh inning of Game 7, he singled to start the three-run rally that broke a scoreless tie and propelled them to, to right. their to their World Series title. That's a moment. So that's, yeah. a, that's a moment where he got that rally going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. He's a he's a key to that '68 team for sure, and he'd be a key to your team. Mm-hmm. You know? um, my DH was Kirk Gibson, and oh. but the, the man notoriously had problems with his knees. He was an old football player and uh, at at uh, Michigan State. And um, how do you not love Kirk Gibson as a as a Tigers fan or as a, a fan of Michigan sports? And how do you not put him on your all time World Series team? You know. It's, it's whether yeah. you uh, here's a guy who had just a terrible attitude and terrible disposition, <laughs> and but he was mean as nails, and you wanted him on your team. You, you didn't want to be playing team. against him. You exactly. wanted him on your side if you're going to oh, battle, big time. And I, and I feel like the DH is a good spot for guys like Kirk Gibson, yep. for guys like Norm Cash, guys like you feel like, hey, if I leave him out, I'm gonna feel like I'm snubbing him. Right, and it's kind of like a wild card spot. Like you get one wild card spot. Who's who's your dude? Yeah, you exactly. Know? Right. My other toss up guy might have been uh, Eddie Matthews, just because the guy had 500 home runs, and at that age, at 37, mm. that's where I would have stick stuck him in there. You know, right to get him on the team. Right. However, and this is only, and this isn't really fair because I'm drawing from the '88 Dodgers team where. Uh, Kirk Gibson had one of the greatest World Series moments of all time where he's coming up again against Eck and he hit that home run and complete underdog comes up, knees are shot. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're expecting a strikeout and the man hits a home run and wins a World Series, you know. And uh, <laughs> But it, he, was a, he was a fan favorite key piece on the 84 team and that's why I feel like he's got to be on an all-time World Series all-time Detroit Tigers World Series team. Yep, I'll, so, and I'll give you that. Yeah, so that's I, I think that the DH is a fair place to put him, uh, especially since he's probably more known for his bat and his attitude and his demeanor than than his uh, his defense. Okay. Pitchers. So, yeah, let's move on to pitchers. Now, do you want to start at your third through one or one through three? Let's go, like, one through three, starting through middle relief through closing. And we each picked three pitchers. Yep. Um, my three pitchers were Lolich, Newhauser, and Morris. So Mickey Lolich starting off the game. Then Hal Newhauser uh, at middle relief for five. I want he's my longevity guy. And um, and then number three Jack Morris. I think any one of these guys are, are lights out pitchers in their prime or on their best day. They are lights out guys. Um, but I picked them all specifically at those three at those positions. I wanted Mickey Lolich to start my game off because the guy was so phenomenal in that '68 series and against Bob Gibson, he could have lasted the whole game if if he needed him to, you know. Well, and, and he did, and he, he did. did but he, he did. It was three right. complete. Uh, Three complete games in that World Series. Exactly. Which is it's legendary. It's, that, it'll never be done again in right. my lifetime. No. Probably in anybody's lifetime, really. Right, right. Against Bob Gibson. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I game mean, seven against Bob Gibson. I mean, it's just... Yeah. I, it's just... you. How do you... 
How do you beat Bob Gibson, my, first of all? Damn it, you're stealing my thunder here. <laughs> it's, uh, but, yeah, it's... Hollywood can't write a script like this. No. You no. know, and, and the fact that it just plays out like that in real life. Like, I, I, I just... I think what you have to take into account, and, and m- many people don't, especially people our age and younger, is that Bob Gibson is a stone-cold killer. The man came up to the, to, uh, the mound, and he was intimidating as hell. He was, he was this big, tall guy that shut everyone down. He didn't talk to his opponents. He didn't do... He There's these stories of people going up and trying to talk to him before the game. Hey, Bob, how you doing? And I'll let you know after the game. You know, he didn't... He was not friendly. He was... He was your competitor. He took it seriously. He was a junkyard dog. Oh, he was, he was going to kill you. That was <laughs> it. He didn't... You know, he either struck you out or took off your head. That was it. And the man was... He was tall and... Intimidated. This is a guy. This is before Nolan Ryan. This is before Randy Johnson. This is this is a man that threw hard. He knew it, and uh, and he liked being Bob Gibson, you know. <laughs> and um, for for a guy like Mickey Lolich, you know, he's we met him. Yeah, we met him what last year, you yep. know. To he is almost the exact opposite of that. <laughs> exactly. He is just right. a down-to-earth guy that you talk to that mm-hmm. you couldn't envision him being yeah. anything like that. Right. You knew that, like, Mickey Lolich, you used to, he, he the man used to own or run and operate a, a donut shop in, in the greater Detroit area. After his baseball, After his baseball yeah, days. Just, you know, like, he's, baseball was just the thing. Right, at card shows, he's he's selling his bowling ball for like four hundred bucks to you know <laughs> to make a little extra money, and he's just a happy-go-lucky guy. But the thing is, what what's funny is like, you know, Michiganders or his, his Detroit Tigers fans, that he can he can have that, he can ride that wave until the day he dies and beyond, because mm-hmm. the man is a legend. He beat the Stone Cold Killer. And he Bob was, Gibson. He was MVP of that 68 World Series. Yep. And if there is nothing else that you have to say about Mickey Lolich, the MVP of the World Series should be on your World Series oh team. God, yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you couldn't leave the man off. If you no. told me we weren't going to pick a pitcher, he would probably be my DH. <laughs> like, like, how, like, what, right. what are you going to do? Leave a, leave a World Series MVP off your World Series team? It just doesn't make sense. I love that. I love it. In fact, if, you know, it's between him and and Alan Trammell, you know, Alan Trammell's your other MVP, World Series MVP. Yeah. True. Mickey Lolich is my World Series MVP. And, and, and Lolich wasn't even a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's just, I enjoy the mythology that much, Andy. Of that yeah, of that series, that, yes. like you said, that mythology of that series, it's it's unreal. Right, right. That, that's a story. Yeah, it's it's one thing if he has a Hall of Fame career. If it's mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan going into oh, that yeah. moment, but it's it's Mickey Lolich, a guy who going into that series took a back seat and was overshadowed by Denny McLean's thirty-one win season, and he comes to be the he he rides in as just you know the number two guy, becoming the hero of the day. Of yeah. the year for that team. Exactly. I mean, just coming, and they came, and they came back. He led them back from 3-1. I mean, there's so much to that. It's not like he just came into three games and it was a, a dogfight of a series. I mean, they were had their backs against the wall, and he come back and won the next, you know. Absolutely. 
Oh, I totally like, agree. His I, next two games, it's just unreal. Yeah, he's the man. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's a story that's undertold. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah. but, but I could I could rant about Mickey Lewis forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're right. gonna move on to your next. Yeah, my my number two guy was Hal Newhouser, and Hal Newhouser is a guy that's also underestimated or under underappreciated. And again, I think small market, and it's been what 60 70 years since the man is yeah i mean you're looking done back things the, you know the what was this 35 his, team 45 40, team it was a 45 team so 45 none of us team. have seen seen him yeah. um so that's why he might get i don't want to say overlooked because I, I don't know how you'd overlook him but he might be a little a undershadowed hall. right he, he's a hall of famer as well but um yeah he's, undershadowed because but you it's go to the man's wikipedia Oh God! Look at his I'll, bring, stats. I'll bring it up here right now for you. Yeah. Seven-time All-Star, two-time AL MVP, AL MVP mm-hmm. as a pitcher, right? Triple Crown, won the Triple Crown, the pitching Triple Crown in '45. Four-time AL wins leader, two-time ERA leader, two-time strikeout leader. Uh, what do you? What do you? What more do you want from the man? That's comparable to to Justin Verlander, as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah, I think maybe Verlander might have won the, the uh, pitching triple crown twice. Maybe I could be wrong, but um, if he did win it twice, I don't think he won it both times with with the Tigers, and he certainly didn't win a World Series with the Tigers. We know that. I love right. Verlander, but that's why I leave him off you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> But Newhouser, I think, is just uh, underappreciated, and um, yeah, that's a guy that you look at his stuff, and you were same thing with Greenberg. Him and Greenberg. You look at their stats and you go, "How are we not? How do you leave them off? I, it doesn't matter if off. I never see them play. Yeah. You, you can't leave them off." And again, like maybe I put too much stock on this, but they're statues of both those guys, you mm-hmm. know, in Comerica Park. I think if they if they erect a statue of you, you got some clout. But uh, those guys, for different reasons, you know, they they're Hall of Famers, but um, uh, they have stats that you just. People don't have those kinds of stats today, you know? No. So, uh, my number three guy is Jack Morris. Love Jack Morris. I've always loved Jack Morris. I've always heard he's had an attitude problem. I, I met him when I was a little kid, and um, uh, he had a bit of an attitude, but I didn't care. Jack Morris is such a badass. You can't go wrong with Jack Morris. <laughs> you know, and again, like, look at the stuff that that man's accomplished. Four World Series wins? Um, he's gonna let, bring it up. let me fact check you on that one, homie. I, got, I don't know. So, But this is a man that, unquestionably, you don't even have to look up this one. You just take my word for it, Andy. Jack Morris, it was lights out in the World Series. That was his That was his house, man. He is four-time oh, World Series my God. I, champion. You, you should just start calling me Wikipedia. Five-time All-Star. Wataki, Wataki and Wikipedia. I don't want to hear right. it. Go ahead. You can read off some of his stuff. Uh, MLB wins leader in 81 and 92. 91 AL, and 92. 81 and 92. Oh, I'm 81 <laughs> and 92. Uh, no hitter in 84. No hitter in 84. AL strikeout leader in 83. Strikeout leader in 83. Obviously, you said four-time World Series champion in five. Yep. He's a five-time all-star. Oh, my gosh. The man dominated the 80s. The eighties, the nineties. I would, you know what? He won. He won in ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three as World Series. Yeah. So I would say, the early nineties, 
Like, this dude was beast mode. Yeah. So for about 20 years, uh, that's the guy that was... Teams he was scary. Teams, yeah. yeah. That was a scary, it's, scary man. Yeah, it's know? like him and him and Charlie Sheen uh, are the two most wild pitchers in all of baseball history. Way right? to Just, let the air out of my tires. <laughs> but they both... Played for the Indians, right? Look up yeah. Charlie Sheen. Look up Charlie Sheen's <laughs> stats right now. No, that, that's a bad comparison because Charlie Sheen was coming out the bullpen. <laughs> Dominance. That's all I can say. That's all I can say about Jack Morris. Just absolutely, um, to me, like it, he's in that top five of guys that you don't want to face as far as Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, and uh, Bob Gibson is uh, up there. And I'm, lo- I'm looking at a thing here. He he was called up to the Tigers in 1977. Yep. And he was on the 1994 Cleveland Indians team. He won his World Series in 93. So, I mean, this guy's... Yeah, you know, it's a 17-year career there mm-hmm. at the major league level. Right. Like, this dude's got some longevity to him as well. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I want to hear your pitchers. Okay. So <clears throat> my pitchers are... Mickey Lolich. Okay, that's who I had at number one, too. Yep, starting out the game. I mean, yep. we, I, we don't need to talk about Mickey Lolich anymore. Sure. Al Newhauser okay. in the middle. We've already discussed Al. Yep. And then Mickey Lolich closing it out. Because, God damn, was he clutch. Who was I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> oh, really? No, in all seriousness, though. Oh, my God. In all seriousness, uh, I actually broke for you when I went with Denny McLean. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and I guess not necessarily in that order, um, but Denny McLean. Three-time All-Star, two young, two-time Cy Young Award winner, two-time AL wins leader, AL MVP in '68. Obviously, your '68 World Champion won 31 games for the Tigers that season. Yeah, that's why he overshadowed Lolich during the regular season. Obviously, Lolich's fame is in that that right. series with the Cardinals for the World Series um, <clears throat> in '68. There, but the ace of the staff was McLean. And I, you'll never, ever, you can quote me on that, you'll never see another person, much like Lolich picking, pitching three complete games in the World Series, you'll never see another pitcher win 31 games in a season, ever. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never see another 30-game winner. I mean, that's it. It's just, a, it's the nature of the game today. There's it's, too many people in the rotation. Right. Uh, even if... Even if it was a four-person rotation, I just don't think you'd see it. I think it's right. Yeah, I it's, think it's just sheer dominance that year. Right, exactly. Uh, and Denny McLean, there, there's a lot of mythology. You know, some of it is bad, and that's something I like about guys, whether you're a Hall of Famer or not. And I'm a Hall of Fame guy. Like I like guys that are that are in the Hall of Fame and in there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that's why I'm not going to argue. Jack Morris being there instead of Denny. Right, right. I'm exactly. just they can both just be there. De- yeah, I was gonna say know? just Denny's my dude because yeah. of those thirty one wins in that championship season. Absolutely. I, I totally I'm, that, I'm down that with that gets him there, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I didn't put a whole lot of deliberation into Denny McLean over Jack Morris or I just felt like Jack had to be in there. I and I felt like Lolich had to be in there and I felt like it was it was unfair that Hal Neuhauser wasn't in there. Because these are a couple guys that, to me, were beyond the World Series, beyond their own World Series. They were good over a number of years, and um, if you're looking at consistency, I would want them 
you know, if I had more than one World Series game, I'd want them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny McLean, nothing wrong with it. He's probably my number four. He's probably my 3.5, to be honest with you. Right. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. I hope we uh, we offered an escape. <laughs> this right. is uh, Watucky Hoffman signing off from number 15. Episode 15. Yes, sir. Out of the Small Market Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like and comment. Interact with us on Facebook at the Small Market Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on Anchor and Spotify. Or email us at smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com. Music for Small Market Podcast was provided by the band Cura. Thank you.